You are listening to a sermon by Tanner Sherlock. Visit com for more info. I have been the lead pastor here at Chi Alpha for a little over a year and a half. Um, I've been on staff here in some, some capacity or another through Chi Alpha for a, a little over four years. I've been a certified pastor for around three years. I was a small group leader before I was involved on staff for two years before that. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that there are a lot of days in which I just don't feel like being a pastor. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. There's about a quarter of the time I get up here and speak, I really just don't feel like speaking. I really don't feel like giving a sermon. And the reasons that I can come up with will be anything from I don't feel qualified to I don't feel like I necessarily heard from God that week, so I'm really reluctant to stand up to speak. And so some days, just to be real with you guys, some days I just don't feel like doing my duties. I really don't feel like I maybe have heard from God for whatever reasons. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You don't feel like when you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like going to class. You don't feel like going to work. And maybe even on a spiritual level, maybe you don't feel like praying to God that day. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? The reason for your particular not wanting to do it can vary. It can be anything from, you know, uh, too much homework, it's kicking your butt, starting to affect the rest of your life, to maybe you had a little too much fun this last weekend. I mean, the excuses we can come up with, the reasons why we don't feel like doing something can vary. But I would say, be honest, or I would say that um, honestly, all of us have gotten to the point where we don't feel like doing something, whether it's spiritually or whether it's a commitment with work. So can I tell you something? Standing here in the pulpit, approaching or in, in talking straight to you guys, 100% real, can I tell you with 100% certainty that our feelings, I might interchange the word feelings for our heart, our feelings or our heart can be very wrong. Our feelings are not always right. And so because our feelings are not always right, we shouldn't allow that to be the ultimate authority in our lives. It should not rule our decisions. John tells us in 1 John 3.20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. How many of you guys have been to Evans Plunge in uh, Hot Springs? We used to go there a lot growing up. It was I absolutely used to love going there because the Waterside Park park was open year-round. And so even when it was in the dead of winter, we would go up. And uh, my favorite slide is the slide, but during the summer, my favorite slide is the one that goes from the inside to the outside. And when I was young, I was a little bit of a thrill seeker. And so when the lifeguard or whoever was supposed to be on duty wasn't paying uh, enough attention, I would kind of line up a little bit farther back. And I'll take a run and dive into the hole. And one particular time that I can remember, the going from inside to outside, the lighting changes a lot. And so going down the, the slide, I got a little bit disoriented. And so I come out of the slide really fast. And I go to put my foot down, what I think is down, and it penetrates the air. It penetrates up into the air. And so I start panicking a little bit, and so I think rationally, if I put my foot up and it goes in the air, I'm going to put my foot the opposite direction, and it'll be the ground. 
So I go to put my foot the opposite direction, and it just barely skims the ground. And so what I thought was down was actually more sideways. And so by this time, I'm panicking a little bit. And I open my eyes, and I'm looking straight up at the sun. And so I can realign myself. Once I saw the sun, all of a sudden I can just stop. I knew exactly where up and down was. I put my feet down. I stand up. I get out of the way just barely in time for my brother to come crashing through and almost taking me out. But at that moment in time, I felt like I knew exactly where the ground was. So sure of it that I go to take a step. But what actually I thought was the ground was actually the air. And so something as simple as up and down, my feelings were dead wrong on. How many of you guys feel like you know what is up and down? But I can tell you, even, even as simple as something as that, our feelings can mislead us. Today, in today's society, one of the hardest things to say is to say, your feelings should not be the highest authority in your life. And your feelings shouldn't be the highest authority in the world. But if you turn on the news for five minutes, you can see that everything, everything is your feelings come first. Your feelings are what's important. Do what you feel like doing. People's feelings can lead them to do anything. One of those things is war. One of those feelings is terrorism. One of those feelings is shooting up schools. Your feelings can really lead you to do just about anything. But in today's world, feelings are the ruling authority. To do something that you don't agree with, that you don't feel is right, you feel like goes against, you say, that goes against my feelings. That goes against everything who I am. If it goes against my feelings, it goes against who I am. It goes against everything that is about me to my core. Let me just tell you something. If somebody tells you, follow your heart, follow your feelings, slap them in the face and tell them, my feelings said to slap you in the face. Because that's really the rationale behind it. So I can tell you, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for you. And his sacrifice tells me one of many things. And one of those many things is that Jesus Christ is bigger than my feelings. Because my feelings got me into a place that I needed his sacrifice. Luke 23, 34 says, But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you honestly think that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the Sanhedrin as a whole, at that point in time, condemned Jesus to the cross? Do you honestly think they were guided by God or by their feelings? Like in the, the story I told you about going to Evans Plunge and the what's up and down, pilots, when they're trained, are actually trained that when there is a storm coming or when it's super black, pitch black out, that they need to trust what the plane says and what the gadgets say solely. They're supposed to completely ignore their feelings of up and down. 
completely ignore it because when the storm's hitting and you start hitting that turbulence and you start shaking around a little bit, vertigo sets in really easily. And so as a pilot, they can begin feeling up and down is completely different. And so they have to rely on what the plane is telling them, what the readouts say as to what is up and down. Because if they trusted their own instincts, they would most likely crash the plane. See, we can get jostled around by this world and we can lose our sense, and up, sense of up and down. We can almost have some sort of spiritual vertigo by what the world is telling us what right is wrong or what, right, what is right and wrong. We hit this spiritual vertigo and we really don't know what is right and wrong anymore. We have to come back to some sort of compass in order to guide us properly. Otherwise, what anybody says goes, because if they're trusting their feelings, then it doesn't really matter. We have to have an instrument panel in order to guide our feelings. We have to stop looking at God through the lenses of our hearts and start looking at our hearts through the lens of God. See, I struggle with sin as a pastor. I'll I'll straight up tell you. I struggle with sin. And the fact that I struggle with sin lets me know that I am not an authority as to what is right and wrong. Because I have any sort of evil in my heart which causes me to sin, I can tell you that I am not a good source as to what is good and what is evil. Because like what Paul states in Romans, i got to drink, get a drink for this one. Cece did too. Romans seven fifteen through 20 says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, and it is It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Make sense? Basically, what I am saying is, because I sin, I know that I am sinful. And since I am sinful, I cannot trust myself to decide what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, unless I line it up with Scripture first and foremost. How many of you guys are just like me and you hate cleaning? I I hate cleaning. When I was growing up, I used to do this thing where, you know, your room starts getting to be a mess, and then mom and dad come in, hey, you have this little lecture of why you need to keep your room clean. And so what I would do is I would set out, and I would take everything that wasn't trash off the floor and set it on my bed. And then I would go, I would get a trash bag, and I would come back in, and I would throw away all the trash that was remaining on the floor and get it all in bags. I would then take the trash out to the trash, come back in, sweep the floor, get it looking all nice and clean. And by this time, I'm pretty tired of cleaning because it's already been like an hour. My room, you see it pretty messy. And so then I, what I would do is I would take all my, my treasures that I put on the bed and I would just shove them in the closet. 
So I have one of those sliding closets. And then eventually, after enough times that I cleaned my room like that, my closet would start getting full. And so what I would do is I would start taking my treasures, and I would open the door just barely that I could fit it in, and I would shove it in real quick and shut the door. This was all right at first because mom and dad would come in, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, your room, it looks phenomenal. Good job. You can go back to playing video games, or you can go out and play or whatever. It was all good and all until... I had a little bit of dirty laundry. Mom would get my laundry done. She'd go to put my laundry back away. She'd open the closet, and all of my treasures would fall on her. So then she would come and yell at me and tell me, you need to clean your room, you need to clean your closet. And then I spend even more time cleaning my closet than it would have taken if I would have just done it the right way to begin with. See, how many of us have been walking around and we cleaned ourselves up spiritually the same way I used to clean my room. We cleaned it up just enough so that it appeared real clean, but we've got these little strongholds, these little treasures that we hide in our closet so that nobody else can see them. We walk around trying to look all perfect, but in reality, all it really takes is one of those really bad days, and all of our garbage comes spilling out for the world to see. See, I learned early on that it was easier to hide my garbage than it was to actually deal with it. And I think that's what makes Christians today and the church as a whole so hard to deal with is that everybody's walking around acting like everything is perfect. And so people feel ashamed to have something go wrong in their lives. So they hide it and they compress it and they put it in a closet until one day, as I said before, a really bad day comes along. And you implode, and then the world gets to see all of your bad junk at once. Can I tell you guys something in here? I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need a single one of you to be perfect. I need you to be broken. Because when you're broken, Jesus can build you back up the way that he meant you to be built up. So I don't need a single one of you guys to pretend like you're perfect for even a moment. I give you permission to stop pretending like you're perfect. If we want breakthroughs as Christians, if we want those breakthroughs in our lives, we have got to stop wanting to be comfortable and we've got to stop wanting to be in control. We've got to start letting go, letting God take over, be guided by God and be guided by the Holy Spirit rather than our own feelings. I'll say it again. We have to stop viewing God through our feelings and start viewing our feelings through our God. So if we've effectively come to the conclusion that we need to stop living and being guided by our feelings, then what's next? What's the next step? What what, what can we do? Well, last week I talked a little bit about how much you're spending your time. And Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one or you will despise the other. So let's stop. 
take a look at our lives. Can I tell you there is really no such thing as a gray area? You're either serving God or you are not. You are either enhancing your walk with Christ or you're enhancing your walk with the world. Every decision you make every single day will either get you further away from God or bring you closer to God. You are either serving God or you're serving your feelings. You're either serving God or you're serving other people's feelings. There really is no gray area. So what does that mean? What I'm saying is, if you're taking four hours a day and spending it on Netflix and spending it on your phone, but you're taking five minutes a day and spending it with God, what master are you really serving? Are you serving your feelings or are you serving God? See, it's not Netflix's fault that you're getting farther away from God. It's not your phone's fault that you're slowly getting distance between you and the Lord. I'll even say, honestly, it's not Satan's responsibility. When we get to heaven, we will be judged by our own actions. Now, don't get me wrong. Satan's going to be judged for what he's done, too. But when it comes down to it, we really are responsible for every decision that we make. Every single one, we will be held responsible. And so you've got to start taking control of every single decision. See, we are at war as Christians, whether you like it or not. Scripture is very clear that we are at war with the enemy. The enemy is not against other people. It is not against flesh and blood. But what are you doing today in order to build yourself up as a warrior? Are you doing the, the training, so to say, in order to build yourself as a, up as a warrior? Or are you allowing Satan to get a, a stronghold or a foothold into your life? So what it comes down to is, yeah, be completely honest, there's a lot of days where I just feel like vegging out on the couch, watching 10 hours of Netflix and not really having any responsibility in my life. It's entertaining. Netflix is awesome. It was a great invention. Like I said, in and of itself, it is not evil. But when I dedicate 10 hours of my day to watching Netflix and I don't spend any time in Scripture and I don't spend any time praying and I don't spend any time at all with God, I can't be mad at God. I can't be mad at Netflix even when all of a sudden I turn around and I feel like God is distant from me. It's not God that became distant from you. It's you that became distant from God. So here's where the big revelation comes in. I want to tell you, straight up, you can choose to do what you feel like doing, or you can choose to do something else. God gave us the choice. That's one of the, the greatest things about God is that he gave us the choice in which we can make the decision to choose to go with our feelings and what we feel like doing. And like I said, what I feel like doing is probably just sitting on the couch, eating potato chips, watching the Broncos destroy the Panthers over and over again for the rest of eternity. 
or I can deal with my responsibilities and I can actually choose to spend time with God. So if, if spending time with God is hard for you, now for some of some people, for, for a lot of days, for me, it is really easy to spend time with God. But the decision to actually choose to spend time with God is the hard part. Once I get into my zone, so to say, and I go down and I start praying and I start reading my Bible and I start actually doing it, it's easy while I'm there doing it. But the decision to get up off the couch when we're three hours into the office on Netflix, it becomes a hard decision all of a sudden. See, it's time we as a nation, it's time we as Chi Alpha, it's time we as Christians individually stop doing what we feel like doing and start doing what God wants us to do. Start doing what the Holy Spirit guides us to do. What Jesus wants us to do. You remember that old fad of WWJD? Great fad. Awesome fad. A little too commercialized. But the concept is amazing. Because it took you back a step and said, instead of doing what I want to do and what I feel like I should do or feel like I want to do, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to ask myself, what would Jesus do in this situation? We've got to stop doing what we want to do, what we feel like we should do. We've got to start looking at what we should do through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of God. And yes, I am aware that throwing over tables and brandishing a whip are well within the realm of possibilities. But can I get David or Reuben, whoever, to come up, please? So if you're sitting here, And you believe in Jesus. I want to tell you that you have been cleansed. You have been made new. You are clean. I don't care how dirty you feel. I don't care how ashamed you feel. You have been made clean. Start walking in that. I don't care if you feel dirty. Jesus made you clean. I don't care if you feel ashamed. Jesus made you new. Stop trusting your feelings to tell you who you are in Christ. And start listening to what God has told you you are. Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the, whole, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You have been set free. Taylor, can I get you to turn the lights down? You have been set free. So listen to me for just just a, a minute further. So I don't care how you're feeling about yourself. I don't care what you think about yourself. I don't care how you feel at this moment. I want you to listen to me, and I'm going to tell you what God says you are. All right? 
John 1.12 says, You are a child of God. John 15.1 says, You are a branch of the true vine. John 15.5 says, You are a friend of Jesus. Romans 3.4 says, You have been justified and you have been redeemed. Romans 8.2 says, You have been set free from the law of sin and death. Romans 15 says, You have been accepted by Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 says, You have been called to be a saint. And you have wisdom. And you have righteousness. And you have sanctification. And you have redemption. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 2 says, God has led you to triumph. 2 Corinthians says, 2 Corinthians 3 says, In Christ, the hardening of your mind has been removed. 2 Corinthians 5 says, You are a new creature. Galatians 5 says, You have been set free. You guys listening to this? Ephesians 1 says, You are chosen, holy, and blameless, and you are redeemed. Ephesians 2 says, You are alive. Ephesians 5 says, You are in the light of God. Colossians 2 says, You have been chosen. 1 Thessalonians says, God loves you. And last but certainly not least, Colossians 2.10 says, You have been made complete. Man, I'm preaching way better than you guys are responding. So tonight, are you going to to decide by yourself? Are you going to decide by the way you feel as to who you are? Or are you going to listen to God and you're going to listen to Christ and let Him tell you who you are? Because the image that we've drawn up for ourselves is far uglier than who Christ has made us. So tonight, if you've never given your life to Christ, and what I'm saying sounds so much better than the life that you're living in, you need to have this. I'm telling you, tonight is the night you need to have Christ in your life. feel like we weren't listening well enough. I don't know why. I just feel like I'm going to go through this list one more time. I feel like there's somebody out there that is just holding on to something saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the, the sins I've committed. You don't know the, the things that I have done in my life. I'm going to go through this list one more time. And I'm going to tell you that it does not matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how ashamed you feel. It doesn't matter how disgusting and dirty you feel. You need to listen to this list because this list, this list is who you really are in Christ. So I'm going to go through this list one more time. And I expect to hear some responding going on. John 1.12 you are a child of God. John 15.1, you are a branch of the true vine. John 15.5, you are a friend of Jesus. 
Romans 3, 4, you have been justified and redeemed. Romans 8, 2, you have been set free from the law of sin and death. Romans 15, you have been accepted by Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, you have been called a saint, and you have wisdom, and you have righteousness, and you have sanctification, and you have redemption. 1 Corinthians 6, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, or your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 2 says, God has led you to triumph. 2 Corinthians 3 says, in Christ the hardening of your mind has been removed. 2 Corinthians 5 says, you are a new creature. Galatians 5 says, you have been set free. Ephesians 1 says, you are chosen holy and you are blameless and you are redeemed. Ephesians 2 says, you are alive. Ephesians 5 says, you are in the light of God. Colossians 2 says, you have been chosen. And 1 Thessalonians says, God loves you. So tonight, can I get everybody close your eyes? Everybody close your eyes. The first and foremost, what I want to do tonight is, if you don't know who Christ is and you don't feel like you really know this Christ that I'm talking about, this God who loves you so much, if you really don't feel like you know him, then tonight is the night for you to give your life to Christ. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't given your life to Christ, or you're not real sure if you're a Christian, maybe you grew up in a Christian home, maybe you went to church, but you never really gave your life to Christ. Man, tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real high. If tonight you feel like there's just kind of that unsure feeling, like you kind of feel like maybe you should raise your hand, but you think you already are a Christian, and I want to encourage you tonight, if you even feel like you need to raise your hand because you're not sure if you've given your life to Christ, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. I see your hand. Tonight, if you know you are a Christian, but maybe you haven't quite been living like it, Maybe you've kind of been feeling a little distance from God. And you're tired of listening to your own feelings. Of doing what you want to do. And tonight you want to live in what God tells you you are. You want to live in the freedom that comes with Christ. And you're saying, I'm done. I'm done doing what I, want to, what I feel like I want to do. I want to do what God wants me to do. Or perhaps tonight, you want to recommit your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you, raise your hand up high. I see your hands. I want us to make sure of one thing here tonight. I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ died for us. 
He sacrificed himself to wipe away all of the filth. Let me give one more opportunity. I, I really feel like I should. I want to give one more opportunity. If you have not given your life to Christ, but tonight you just feel like you want to. And you just, you're, you can feel it. You can almost feel it in your stomach. I know I just talked about don't trust your feelings. But it's a little bit different when the Holy Spirit is telling you. If that's you, raise your hand. All right, I see you. And one more opportunity. Like I said, if you're sick of trusting your own feelings, you're sick of the life that you've been in right now. And tonight you just want to say, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with my feelings. On to what God has for me. Raise your hand one more time. Raise it high. Higher. Raise it all the way. There you go. I see your hands. So tonight, if you raised your hand the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time, we're going to do a little bit of a prayer. It's a little bit of a, a salvation prayer. The power isn't in the prayer. The power is in you giving your life to Christ. This is just a more vocal way to do it. But I'm also going to ask everybody to repeat after me, whether you raise your hand or not, because I just don't want to leave anybody out. So I just ask that you guys repeat after me. Lord, I love you. Louder. Lord, I love you. I want to give my life to you. Louder. I want to give my life to you. I'm tired of seeing the world through my own lens. Man, this is a big moment. Let's get louder. I'm tired of seeing the world through my own lens. Help me, Lord, to see the world through your lens. I want to give my life to you. I accept that you died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sins. Please, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I turn away from my old life. I want to follow you. I want to see myself the way you see me. in prayer but I'm going to ask that uh, if you guys need prayer better yet if you guys raised your hands the first time to accept Christ I want you to find me or my wife, who 
want to talk to you about what the next step is. Because accepting Christ isn't the end of a journey, it is merely the beginning of another. If you raise your hand a second time, the second time, I want you to do something for me. The small group leaders, stand up. If you raised your hand the second time, I want you to find one of these people. And I want you to get involved in their small groups. I'm being very serious. If you raise your hand the second time and you're not already involved in a small group, you said tonight, you guys can sit down. You guys said tonight that you're tired of doing the things, doing doing things the way you want to do them. And so tonight I'm going to ask you, stop doing Christianity the way you want to do it. And I want to encourage you to attend one of these small groups because through that, you can learn how to do Christianity maybe a little bit different than how you've been doing it. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you see higher of us than we see of us. I thank you that after everything that you've done in giving Jesus Christ over and in everything Jesus Christ did on the cross that Lord you're still guiding us even though you've done it all you've paid the price you covered our sins you did more than we deserve you don't stop there I ask that you would help us to be on fire for you every single day. That when we wake up in the morning, we won't want to do what we feel like doing. But Lord, we will look to you to listen to you. We will look to the Holy Spirit to guide us. That we will stop living our lives no matter what we've decided for ourselves, Lord that you would help us to live our lives the way you want us to live our lives. And so, Lord, I just ask for some encouragement in that. I ask you to to set people up around us that will encourage that, that will stop encouraging us to do what the world wants us to do. I ask you to get those people out of our lives that are going to speak lies and filth back into it. Lord, that you begin putting people into our lives that would speak truth in what you say over our lives. Lord, I thank you and I, I love you so much. I know we love you so much. Lord, it is in your name and it is for your glory.